0: Your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. You can also find us on Stitcher, Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com with any advertising inquiries or basketball questions. Send us questions on Twitter at LockedOnBulls. Like us on Facebook at LockedOnBulls. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic with me as always. Cody Westerland of 670 The Score. Uh, Cody, there's going to be a starting lineup change for the Bulls tomorrow night against the Pacers in preseason.
1: Juggling act, second preseason game. This one coming at Indiana. Nico Miritich, as promised by Fred Hoiberg. We'll start the second preseason game at power forward. Taj Gibson transitioning to that bench role that he's been familiar with in some seasons. Um, This is obviously a quest for the Bulls to find out the best uh, starting lineup and just group of starters that they want to take into the regular season. So Hoiberg had said... He'd mix up the lineups a lot, whether it was starter, second unit, just different guys playing together. This is obviously the biggest question for the Bulls, and Nico didn't play well the other night, Sean. He shot one of seven from the field, had some bad turnovers, only two points. What do you make of all of this?
0: Well, Fred had said basically since camp started not to read anything into his starting lineup decisions in these preseason games because he just kind of wants to get different looks at different guys in different spots. Obviously, this isn't based on merit if you're going off of like what Nico did in the last preseason game against the Bucks versus what Taj did. Taj was much better in that game, but uh, he, I think he just wants to get a look at Nico in that spot and just see how he plays with the starters as opposed to uh, how he plays with the bench unit, because obviously he didn't play well the other night.
1: Yeah, the second unit was poor for the Bulls, and the thing about Fred so far, I mean, he's already faced these questions from the media, you know. Uh, is is Nico destined to be an inconsistent basketball player? Uh, several times he's got a question along those lines, just, just given that performance and how he was inconsistent in his second year, which some of it can be traced back to the surgery complications after the appendectomy too. But even before then, in 2015-16, uh, he, he was really struggling at times. And Fred, every time he's been asked about Nico's inconsistencies, has kind of bristled at the question and pushed back. Shot down that
0: notion. Says he doesn't agree with the theory at all. Talked about how great he's been in practice, and you know what's interesting? It's the kind of thing. I mean, you 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 figure that part of the decision to do this would be to hope that when he gets in the starting lineup, he gets his confidence back, sort of, because that confidence has obviously been an issue with Nico in the past, where you know he would go into a slump and just not be able to get out of it because his confidence would be shot. I'm looking at his splits right now on basketball reference his numbers are not because some guys you know will play much better when they start versus when they come off yeah. the bench just because of it's a rhythm thing and it's a routine thing surprisingly enough I'm looking at Nico's numbers here for his career for what you know when he starts he's started 41 games in his career he's come off the bench for 107 his numbers are not drastically different in either role which is interesting
1: yeah and I mean I think the second preseason game again it's preseason we're not reading in greatly to any one game any two games even an entire preseason but at some point nico does need to show that he can respond mentally uh, after he's had bad games and not let that spiral which he's admitted he's done before so that's why the game in indiana will be important just to see how he responds after a really bad preseason opener the other point is remember it is best for the bulls it is entirely best for the bulls plan A for Nico to win that starting job.
0: Right, just because, you know, because of his shooting ability that makes the most sense for him to start, you know, playing alongside Wade and Rondo and Butler and Lopez, none of whom are really shooters at all. But this is kind of interesting. I think either somebody said this on Twitter or another reporter said this, I forget who said this, but somebody brought this up the other night that was kind of interesting to think about, but the la- last season during training camp Nico was basically given yep. the starting power-forward spot. Gifted. Gifted, yeah. Because, you, you know, Fred Hoiberg basically decided to move Noah to the bench because Noah and Gasol couldn't really play together and he wanted to put Mirich out there for shooting. To me, like, from a basketball standpoint, the move would have been to start Nico and Joe and bring Powell off the bench, but that was just kind of a political thing because they kind of knew that Powell would complain and Joe wouldn't. But last year, Nico basically didn't have to earn his starting spot at the start of the year and then he didn't get off to a great start, and eventually he lost it, and they moved Taj back into the starting lineup alongside DeSaul. But this time, I think, he, he, just given how much Fred likes the defensive combination up front of Taj Gibson and Robin Lopez, I think it's going to be a little bit more of an uphill battle for Nico to earn the spot. Obviously, I think the thing that, they, that he needs to do is just knock down these open shots and if he can do that, I think he's got a chance of starting. But he's gonna he's gonna get a look tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and the other the flip side of this, on the other side of the coin, is the defensive aspect. Uh, if you play Nico with the starters, uh, you're you're kind of giving away a lot defensively because you have Robin Lopez, who they expect to be a quality defender. Jimmy Butler, when he's engaged and wants to play defense, has the energy to do it for a full game. Is one of the best defenders in the NBA. But past that you got some defensive leaks there. If you play Taj Gibson, it's a more defensive-minded first unit. We talk about the shooting so much for why Nico needs to win the job, but then you got to kind of weigh the defensive aspects of it. And if you put Taj, in the flip side of that, if you put Taj on the second unit, he's very helpful there with their defense. And if you have Nico on the second unit, they're just going to leak defensively all the time, it would probably seem like. Because guys like Doug McDermott... Denzel Valentine these aren't defense first
0: guys as we've talked about previously in the podcast right no none of those guys are I think Nico's a little bit better of a defender than people give him credit for he's not great by any means but he's more he's closer to league average than he is to an actual liability he's close to a neutral but so I I think you can hide him on defense enough if you have the right personnel around him and I kind of like the idea I like you just said of putting Taj in the second unit to help shore that up, because otherwise you have a really strong uh, front court defensively in the first unit with with him and Lopez, and then not not a lot in the second unit. So that'll be kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, we did get a comment um, from a Twitter user, Bulls Fanatic on Twitter says, he didn't ask us a question, he said, Felicio needs more playing time. And he's going to get playing time. Second unit playing time, though, if you're worried about defense on the second unit, maybe Felicio can be a little bit more of an anchor. Again, not talking for 22, 24 minutes here, but if he can give you 8 to 10 solid minutes a night as a defensive anchor on the second unit, maybe you feel a little bit better about Nico also slotting alongside him. I don't know. I'm just kind of freewheeling here.
0: No, I mean, it's possible, and I certainly think that just based on what we saw the other night, I think uh, Felicio, he didn't get in really until the fourth quarter, but I thought he outplayed Bobby Portis, and they're kind of the two that are going to be fighting for those backup minutes at the four and the five. So I think we're probably going to see Fred give Felicio a longer look in this next preseason game tomorrow night against the Pacers. But I think, you know, and our, our friend Vinny Goodwill at CSN brought this up earlier, which was is probably true. The Bulls invested a first-round pick in Bobby Portis, yeah. and... Felicio is an undrafted guy who made their team out of Summer League, basically. So they have a lot more invested in Portis, and so the optics of moving Felicio ahead of Portis in the rotation, if it's not that big of a difference in their production, would maybe not be great. So I would imagine Portis probably still has the edge for those minutes. But, you know, I agree. I like a lot of what we've seen from Felicio, not just last season when he got on the court, but he was good in Summer League. He was solid the other night when he he did get in the game.
1: Yeah, I've been impressed with how composed he is when he has the ball in his hands, especially for, I mean, he's still relatively, in in some respects, a kid a little bit when it comes to basketball, because he didn't even start playing, I think, until 13-ish. Soccer was his first sport. He uh, has good instincts. In Brazil, but he does have good instincts and is a composed basketball player, considering he doesn't have as much just experience as a lot of guys, and that's not just at the NBA level, but his entire life of playing basketball. And I mean, he's he's kind of a quiet, reserved guy, partially, I think, because... um, you know, he's from a different country and he's right. young and everything. But, I mean, he's an easy guy to root for, really, to get behind when you see the progress he's made.
0: Right, and it's also, I mean, it's such a good story also because, again, he was just this total unknown. Just one of those random other guys on the Summer League team. And they he impressed them enough that they actually signed him to a training camp deal in July of 2015 during Summer League and just said, we want you at camp before another team picks you up. And then he actually made the team.
1: Yeah, and it's still... It still gets me that the bulls aren't willing to tell the story yet of how they discovered him, how they found him, what the details are. Cause I've asked Gar this multiple times, and he's always like, "Don't worry about it. Like, yeah, I will we'll tell you someday or something." Like, I have, I don't know how they found him, but I do pick up the way they, the way Gar talks about it or just kind of bristles at the, the notion of telling the story that makes me think they kind of lucked into him or it wasn't Gar Foreman who was out there or one of their scouts who was grinding in Brazil and, and found him at something. I They had to have gotten tipped off, I think, by someone or lucked into him somehow because they won't tell
0: the story yet even though they've been asked like 10 times. Well, Cody, you don't want to give a competitive advantage away.
1: You think they have this grand mo- plan
0: What if they have the most advanced scouting uh, <laughs> operation in the world in Brazil and they just don't want anybody to know about it and they have more... Or uh <laughs> promising young prospects like Felicio coming down the pipeline. The
1: the two thousand twenty seven Bulls, your NBA championship team. Well with also five
0: Brazilians in the starting lineup. Also gonna double as the Brazilian gold medal team in the twenty twenty eight Olympics. <laughs> there you go. Let's get it. That uh, that'd be the day Jimmy would have to settle for silver. We we
1: gotta ask Jimmy we haven't asked Jimmy where he put his gold medal I did. What, what what'd you
0: get? I did at, at Media Day. I was it was not like on the record or anything, but I I uh I was, like, going up to the table at media day to put my recorder down on the table when he was getting there, and I was just kind of chatting with him, and I was like, hey, so where did you put your gold medal? And he said, man, I sent it to your house earlier today. You didn't get it? So Jimmy's playing coy about where he's. Got Jimmy's his gold is playing record. coy about his
1: gold medal. To, to be
0: honest, the, the gold medal is not at Sean's apartment. It's so. not. No, the gold medal. The only the only medal I have here is a participation medal from the Shy League uh, game that I played in a couple months ago. It's That's not crazy. nearly as impressive as a gold medal. We did ask Nico about it. Uh, the other day, and he said that he got to Chicago to start practicing at the Advocate Center before Jimmy did, yeah. and so he was flexing his bronze medal uh, while, and everybody was all impressed by that. And then Jimmy gets there, and he's got his gold medal, and Nico is just like, "Oh, great! Now I can't. Now I can't show off my medal anymore." It's
1: honestly, that's not helping Nico's confidence. No, it's I not. I know
0: Kobe Bryant pulled that. <laughs> that
1: trick with Pau Gasol but Pau was a little bit more on a Hall of Fame path. Right, Pau was
0: a veteran at that <laughs> when point he did and that. he like like Pau was already like an established multiple time all-star by that point and had you know had uh had a much more established and accomplished career by that point than Nico has at this point. And, yeah. Jimmy, and Kobe Bryant was also a much better player than Jimmy Butler at yeah. that point. Yeah, certainly Jimmy meant that as a lighthearted joke. Not a lot of meaning, but, I mean, that is part of the leadership process. It's always pretty funny. It's, just, right it's no. just pretty funny catching these little interactions.
1: Yeah, Phil in on the rest of the preseason uh, plan, Sean, as far as Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, um, playing time.
0: Yeah, so we asked Fred about that, and if you guys will, those of you who watched the uh preseason game on Monday against the Bucs. Dwayne Wade played about 12 minutes. Jimmy Butler played about 15 minutes. That was all in the first half. Neither of them played at all in the second half. Fred said that they have about the same plan for Wade tomorrow. They're going to play him about 10 to 12 minutes, and it's all going to be in the first half. Jimmy, he said they're going to play a little bit in the second half, but it's still going to be you know, a little bit uh, conservative with his minutes. They're going to, you know, it's, it's probably, gonna, he played 15 minutes the other night. It's probably going to be closer to 18 or 20 this time around. It's not going to be a ton of minutes. But then after Thursday's game is when he said they're going to start trying to ramp up. A Wait, normal rotation. Right. Just, not, like they still want to use the preseason to give some of the young guys a look. And uh, Paul Zipser uh, is a guy that Fred said uh, is going to get in the game tomorrow. He, he didn't, will? He doesn't.
1: Because Jonathan on Twitter was wondering how much playing time for Paul Zipser.
0: I can't tell you how much time he's going to get. I just know he didn't play at all in the last game, and Fred did specifically single him out today as the fa- as saying that he's going to get in the game. And I think part of that is because, you know, if he wants to use these rotation minutes to look at some young guys, obviously with Denzel Valentine's ankle injury, that's one guy that he can't play now, so he's going to maybe try to give Zipser a look. I, I honestly have no idea what to expect out of Zipzer. Yeah,
1: and the, uh, the Pacers, of course... Are in the Central Division. Divisions don't matter in the NBA. Not with playoff seating anymore. Well, it does
0: matter with scheduling, because that means they're going to play them four times during the season. Correct, but
1: yes, you're right. Not with playoff seating, But we do have other Central Division news. Hard Central Division news. Pistons point guard Reggie Jackson out up to six to eight weeks with knee tendinitis.
0: Yeah, this is a pretty big setback for the Pistons, who I was very high on... Coming into the season, I kind of would argue that after Cleveland, Boston, and Toronto, I kind of like Detroit as the fourth best team in the East. I really like, I was really impressed by what they did in the playoffs last year against Cleveland. They got swept in that series, but they were competitive with them. I really like what Stanley Johnson showed towards the end of the year. Obviously, Andre Drummond is one of the best young big men in the league, uh, I like some of their offseason pickups. John Luehr was a little bit under the radar. I like a lot of what they did, but you know Reggie Jackson is pretty important to what they do. If he can't play for the first yeah. month or month and a half of the season, their point guard is probably going to be Ish Smith, which you know he was good for the Sixers he last year. Turn the he's...
1: Sixers' season around, right? Last but the year.
0: Sixers went from basically being the worst team of all time to only being like the <laughs> second or third worst team of all time once they started playing Ish Smith at point guard. That's not who you want when you're trying to be a playoff team that maybe gets out of the first round. So hopefully, I mean, for the sake of basketball fans, hopefully Reggie Jackson doesn't miss too much time with this injury and he can get back reasonably quickly and the Pistons can kind of get back on track. But that is kind of interesting because the Bulls, you know, they're in the Bulls division the Bulls really have to take whatever they can get as far as to opportunities to climb ahead of different teams. If the Pistons get off to a rough start without Reggie Jackson and the Bulls get off to a good start, uh, then you know that that could end up coming into play later on.
1: Yeah, and the thing with the Pistons and Reggie Jackson, they run so much pick and roll. Uh, that's so much of what their offense was predicated on last year, it seemed like, and it was usually always Reggie with the one who had the ball in his hands. Right. And Drummond isn't a guy you throw the ball to down on the block traditionally for a post-up. They like using him in that role with Reggie Jackson, too, in the high-screening role, so um, it kind of affects Andre Drummond, uh, too, in that regard. Catching up with another uh, storyline outside of Chicago, Tom Thibodeau, nice article by ESPN's Brian Winhorst. Yeah. um, Today, talking about maybe Tibbs, in his first season in Minnesota, where he has a five-year contract with the young Timberwolves, uh, is going to be a little more progressive, Right in his
0: mindset. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of used his. And this is something I talked to him about uh, over the summer at summer league and also last spring at the combine. But he basically used his year off because he was the Bulls let him go in May of 2015. He didn't coach last year. He basically just spent the whole year going around to different NBA teams visiting with coaches, because obviously he's been in the coaching ranks a long time. He's really tight with a lot of those guys. 13 NBA
1: teams he visited. Right,
0: almost half the league, and just kind of looked around and met with the coaches and kind of picked their brains about what they do and kind of what their processes are. And it seems like he's really genuinely made an effort to update his own process for how he coaches in his second head coaching gig. One of the things I thought was interesting in this Brian Windhorst piece, which I would recommend reading, it was very well done. Uh, Obviously, everything Brian writes is great, but... uh, this one I particularly enjoyed this piece uh, he said that Thibodeau for the first time in his career hired a shooting coach which he never had in Chicago and so he's gonna try to get uh his the Timberwolves to shoot more threes than the Bulls kind of did when he yeah. was there and so that's going. I mean they have some of the personnel to do that Zach Levine is a good outside shooter Chris Dunn who they just drafted fifth overall is a good outside shooter I think there's even hope at some point that Carl Anthony Towns, their franchise center, is going to develop a consistent three-point shot at some point. Wiggins, I think they would like to improve his shooting. So having a dedicated shooting coach to just work with guys on that, it might take some time to see the results, but that's a good sign of Thibodeau being open to changing his approach over time to fit with where the league is heading.
1: Yeah, and then the T-Wolves were in the bottom three last year, I think, and made threes, and threes attempted just... Not a staple early in Tibbs' tenure in Chicago either. More so league average in his last year in Chicago uh, when they had Mike Dunleavy shooting a lot of threes. Jimmy Butler, I think, made an uptick there. But I want to go on the record and say, I don't think Tibbs is actually changing much at all. <laughs> I don't think he's actually getting a lot more progressive. The shooting coach, I, I do understand. Absolutely, that plays in. That's a fair um, fair point. But at the same time, I mean... Tibbs kind of is who he is he at this Yeah, the same story notes that... <laughs> Minnesota had two to three weeks of optional, and I'm using air quotes cool, right, right now, no, optional, optional very, very practices much air quotes here. before training camp started, in which attendance was basically mandatory for the players. <laughs> so he already, I mean, he's already doing the same things he's doing, like... If he has a deeper roster, if he trusts like nine guys, I can definitely see him pulling the reins back a little bit on Wiggins, maybe like minutes load and Carl Anthony Towns, you got Gorgie Jang there who can give him some good backup minutes, I think down there. Paul
0: Aldrich they just signed over the summer. Yeah.
1: So I in some ways I think he can be more progressive, maybe in modernizing his approach to the NBA um when we when we think about this, this these storylines and training and research that's been done and the prolific three point shooting offenses, but at heart, no, he's not changing. He's still old
0: school tips. He's still going to grind those guys in practice defensive habits all day long. This reminds me of six or seven years ago when I was in Portland and, uh, This is when Nate McMillan was the coach in Portland. This is like kind of during the Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge years. They didn't play fast basketball. Right, they didn't play fast at all. And every year during training camp, like clockwork, (laughs) there would be the story out of training camp from one of the reporters, Nate McMillan is playing faster this year. All of his players are saying he's been running them in training camp and they're going to play at a faster pace. And then every single year they would be like 28th, 29th, 30th in the (laughs) league in pace. Which, I mean, and then what's funny is that then when, when Nate... Speaking of the Pacers, who the play, who the uh, B- Bulls are playing tomorrow night, uh, he's now he's now their head coach. Uh, after he was, he had been an assistant there for a number of years. Uh, when they let go of Frank Vogel over the summer, Larry Bird said he wanted to play at a faster tempo, and then he hired Nate McMillan, who does not have a track record of playing fast at all. So it'll be interesting to see if he changes the, the way that t- supposedly Thibodeau has changed. Uh, I don't. Think I'm skeptical in th- both th- cases. I don't think it'll happen.
1: Um, wrapping up news outside of the Bulls spectrum, but with ties. Uh, Derek Rose, 16 points on 7 of 14 shooting in his Knicks debut. Uh, The Knicks defense is really bad. Gave up 130 points to the Rockets. D. Rose did have 5 assists, 2 turnovers. Any takeaways from what you watched of that Knicks game, Sean?
0: Yeah, you know, he looked pretty good. I think he looked, for the most part, like something similar to what he was the second half of last year, because obviously he was pretty awful the first half of last year when he was still wearing the mask and he still had the double vision from the face injury from training camp. But once the vision kind of came back to him, he was obviously not anything close to peak Rose from before the injuries, but he was pretty good for the second half of the year. He was finishing uh, more consistently. His explosiveness came back a little. He looked pretty solid last night. Joakim Noah, obviously the other Bulls connection with the Knicks, didn't play last night because hamstring. he had a hamstring injury. God, Porzingis is so good. Oh my god, like he 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 looked incredible good, last night. Good
1: for Phil Jackson sticking to his guns
0: making that pick. Yeah. That was not uh a consensus pick uh at that point in the draft. I think it was Clarence Gaines that talked him into making that pick. That's but rough. he's he's he, Porzingis is going to be so good. And I also the other thing, I mean I know this is just like preseason stuff, but I I enjoyed the James Harden Mike D'Antoni experience I think that offense is going to be a lot of fun if Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon can stay healthy I don't know how much they'll be able to do defensively but I you know I, I think that team has some potential to surprise in people because a lot of people are kind of down on Houston after the disappointing year they had last year I, I kind of like them that's a massive if I know it's a massive if but if but they they were healthy <laughs> Anderson and Gordon <laughs> but I mean the, like Harden with D'Antoni is so much fun yeah. Also a little iffy is Derrick Rose's immediate
1: playing future with the Knicks. We should point out that uh, His, his civil trial has started in the Los Angeles area regarding gang rape allegations, in which he maintains he did nothing wrong. He's expected to be in L.A. Thursday for the civil trial, but he's not expected to be at the trial through its duration, I don't think, but just kind of up in the air a little bit. We'll keep you updated. Jury selection was today on that. Yep, they uh, selected six women, I believe, and two men uh, for that case. We did want to wrap up this podcast with a question from Jay on Twitter, and you can find us on Twitter, at LockedOnBulls. You can find myself, at Cody Westerl and Sean, at Hyken. But he asked, who on the Bulls stands to benefit the most from Rajon Rondo, and who stands to be the most negatively affected by Rajon Rondo?
0: So, the first one is pretty easy because Doug McDermott is just going to get so many open threes when he's on the court with Rondo. Just all day? All threes day. Threes for eternity? Yeah. Buckets. So, that's one. The, the, who's going to be negatively affected? That's going to be. Could be Jimmy. It could be Jimmy because Jimmy kind of uh. likes to have the ball in his hands. He likes to be setting up the offense uh, and having Rondo there, you know, having to be the one making the plays and initiating things. It's going to be a little bit awkward.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would agree with the Doug McDermott case. I mean,
0: another underrated one is Robin Lopez because he's just going to get so many easy buckets because well, Rondo is just going to dump the ball to him inside all like, the time.
1: I'm not totally on board yet with this Rondo thing, just getting everyone buckets. Like, will he have good assist numbers? Yeah, probably. But still, teams are going to reach a point where they don't respect his jump shot whatsoever, they don't aggressively guard him outside of six feet. And they're going to pinch that paint and make it really difficult for guys like Robin Lopez, I think, to navigate down low. So I'm not, I'm not thinking buckets for days in that regard. But I do think Doug McDermott will, if he just runs to spots, keeps working to move to open spaces that he sees, knowing that Rondo will see. I, I do think he can get more open looks. But... At some point, I think teams are—I mean—they're not going to respect Rondo a whole lot offensively when it comes to finishing. I just don't think.
0: No, I don't think so, uh, because he—you know—he has not been good at that, and it'll, I think a big part of it is because he's such a bad free throw shooter at this point yeah. in his career that he doesn't want to drive because he doesn't want to get fouled, so he, so he doesn't have to go to the free throw line.
1: Very, very true.
0: Um, so, as we pointed out,
1: Bulls second preseason game Thursday night at Indiana. They'll be back at the United Center on Saturday to host those same Pacers. As always, email us with questions at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. Basketball questions, advertising inquiries, always,
0: always welcome. At LockedOnBulls on on Twitter, at Cody Westmoreland, at Hyken, and most of all, subscribe to us. That's right. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Stitcher, AudioBoom, TuneIn, Google Play. Check out the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Check out Locked On Bears with Arthur Arkush. Subscribe to The Athletic to read my work on the Bulls. Check out 670thescore.com to read Cody's work, and we will be back with you tomorrow after the Bulls preseason game against the Pacers. Uh, take it easy.
1: At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 103117.